listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I wanted to, um, I wanted to take today and talk about what can a Christian expect from coronavirus. And by the way, if you don't have this, you need to get this. This is the book that I produced entitled Blood on the Door. Um, look how dark it got when I put that up. Boom. Um, you need to get that if you don't have it. Blood on the Door. The Protective Power of Covenant. That's important. The protective power of covenant. Many people don't believe and don't even and don't even know or understand that they have access to a protective covenant. You've got access to a protective covenant because of not only the word of God, but the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And so I want to, I want to take today and just kind of explain this, walk you through it. Because while there's so much fear mongering going on, I mean, and that's what it is, by the way, it is total fear mongering that's on the news, uh, everything that's happening. I mean, you look at the statistics, you know, they've, they've called it a pandemic, all this stuff. It's not even close. I mean, you know, and obviously it's very sad. Those that have lost their lives, those, those that are being affected, no question. It's sad, but I mean, what they're what they're touting it as on the news versus what's what's really happening in the world that you don't you're not even hearing about. My cousin posted, uh, I think it was my cousin posted something today. It was a statistic that I was looking at uh, that uh, of the the actual quote unquote uh, issues that are happening. You look at what's going on around the world, and uh, far far more people are being taken out by other things that you're not hearing about in the news. Um, I think that the statistics showed about 3,000 and some deaths a day from tuberculosis versus uh, coronavirus, way, way, way at the bottom of this list, by the way. But people are freaking out as though it's the black plague that's hit the world again. And it's like my friend um, uh, Marty from Social Club, posted something on Instagram last night. I want to see if he still has it up because uh, he posted this. Um, there he is right here. Let me see if he still has this up. He said, I want to, I just want to post some good news. Nearly 70,000 people have recovered completely from coronavirus. 70,000 people have recovered. And uh, there, the, even the makeshift hospitals in Wuhan are being closed. Uh, with a further two being closed tomorrow be, due to patients all successfully recovering. And so, I mean, they're blowing this thing out of proportion. Like, I mean, you can see it. The The shelves at your grocery store are bare. You can't find toilet paper. <laughs> People got mad. I posted that yesterday. If you're missing toilet paper, if you don't have any, 512 sheets at your local Barnes & Noble, uh, the latest Hillary Clinton book, grab it. Um, but you know, toilet paper, running out of toilet paper, 
canned goods. People are preparing like a hurricane is coming. People are preparing like it's the Black Plague, like they'll never leave their house again. And so Christians are falling into this as well. And the same fear that's on the world is hitting Christians. The same fear that's on the world is hitting Christians. Now you think about that. You think about that for a minute. The same fear that is on the world is hitting Christians. So, I mean, you think about what that means. I was talking about this last night as I preached to the men and and I've, I've taught this as well. I mean, even in our newest faith course on miracle word university, which you need to check out mountain moving faith. Um, one of the things that I said was this faith in God. Everybody talks about, we need to have faith in God, brother. All faith in God is, is faith in his word. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. If you're watching today, there's uh, Polsky watching from Poland. Good to have you on. Um, those of you that are watching, put that in the comments section. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. And so if you don't believe what his written word says, you don't have faith in God. Bottom line. Because what else, let me ask you the question. I mean, just think about it. What else can you have faith in? If you say, I have faith in God, what does that mean to you? I mean, how? The question is, how do you have faith in God? What, what does that mean to a person to have faith in God, if not to have faith in his word? Because he's an unseen being seated on the throne in heavenly places. And so if you say, I have faith in him, what does that even mean other than I have faith in his word? So it's funny, we sing about it in our praise and worship services. You know, we have, and, and, and we come to church and we talk about it, but let's have faith in God. All faith in God is, is having faith in his word, as you're writing in the comments. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. That's all it is. And if you believe God, then you believe what his word says above any other report. You believe what his word says above any other report. That's important. That's very important. I believe what the word of God says above any other report. My, um, my cousin, uh, went to Twitter today about an hour ago and, um, (laughs) tweeted, listen to what my cousin tweeted today. And I agree with, that's why I retweeted it. He said, who knew that to get the modern church to shut down their church services, halt the laying on of hands and stop serving communion, it wouldn't take the threat of a lion's den, a fiery furnace or beheading. You just have to ask them nicely. And then listen to his, listen to his follow-up, which is the one I retweeted. First century church government. We order you to preach and teach no more church. We must please God rather than man. 21st century government. We order you to preach and teach no more. Church, no problem. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. Faith in his word. All you have to do is ask them nicely. Well, we we don't want you gathering. Okay, no problem, no problem. (laughs) I mean, 
It, it blows my mind how quickly people are willing. I was thinking about this last night. It like blows my mind how much Christians will believe the word or report of the news over what the Bible plainly says. Now, I want you to hear this because this is going to be kind of like half rant today, and I don't mind ranting again. But, I mean, you think about it. Well, we don't want to come together, brother, because, you know, we don't want to encourage the spread of that virus. Spread of the virus, think about this. The Bible says that when you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, that you will lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll recover if they're sick. So think about this. Well, brother, we don't want to shake hands. Oh, really? Because I can shake the hand of somebody and impart healing virtue into their body. And so can you. So can you. People don't believe that. It shows that people don't believe it. They just simply don't. We're going to elbow bump. We're going to, they, they don't. If you can cancel, it's, it's like, you know, I said this yesterday on the broadcast. You know, um, I, I'll go to a place, maybe we'll hold a healing service or something. And somebody will say, hey, where's so-and-so tonight? Oh, he was sick, so he stayed home. Oh, yeah. Well, you do realize this is a healing meeting. Maybe get, maybe get out of the house, come to the house of God where there's healing taking place. What I'm telling you is people simply don't believe it. They simply don't. They can say they do, but what you say, talk is cheap. What you really believe is proven by what you do. Your actions prove what you truly believe. Your actions true it, uh, uh, truly show it. Uh, let me read to you. Um, for example, Jesus makes this point in the, the gospel of John chapter 14. Let me read you verse 21. Now, this is in regards to people saying, um, that they love God or that they love Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, they really don't. They really don't. Look at this, John 14, 21. Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And then I will love him and manifest myself to him. Think about that. So what Jesus is saying in this passage is that not everybody who says they love me loves me. The ones who truly love me are those who prove it by their actions. They have my commandments and they obey them. They're the ones who truly love me. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that you, it's not what you say that determines what you truly believe. It's what you do that determines what you what you truly believe. You know who else makes that point? James, <laughs> in the book of James. And um, if we went there, we could clearly see what he's talking about, that uh, we're, we're required not just to hear the word, but to do the word. I'm not, I'm not, I don't just need to hear the word. I need to be a doer of the word. That shows that I believe it. If I do it, I believe it. So let, let me show you this, hearing and doing the word. This is the book of James, uh, verse uh, chapter one and verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
for he looks at himself and goes away and once and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Look at that. Who acts. That's verse 25. He will be blessed in his doing. And if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. It's worthless. So I want you to catch this with me today. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue. So I'm not saying what you say is not important. The Bible has so much to teach about what you say out of your mouth. No question. We confess faith. We say what we believe. The apostles even said, we believe, therefore we speak. But it doesn't stop at speaking. It continues on into your actions as James is teaching. But you are, you're shown to be uh a person of faith by your actions. And then look at verse 25 and he will be blessed in his doing his doing of the word. And so I'm not just going to speak what I believe. I'm going to do what I believe. I'm going to do what I believe. Faith without works is dead being alone. What does it matter? I mean, literally, what does it matter? And I'll go down chapter two and read that to you. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That's the 17th verse of James 2. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so you, you look what he's saying here. He's saying that faith without actions that back it up is a dead, meaningless faith and a worthless religion. Bottom line, Garner said, oh, he's everything to me. I believe he's, but then they don't act like it. People don't act like God is all power. Isn't he powerful? Amen. Isn't he a bit, isn't he able everybody? Don't you know that he's able? The Bible says that he's able now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in you. Ephesians three twenty. How many are thankful today that he's able? Amen. Let's lift our hands and just thank him that he's able. And then they don't act like he's able. They lock themselves in their house, stock up on toilet paper and canned goods and wait out the coronavirus plague. Seriously. Oh, he, but he's able, brother. Well, he is able. No, you don't act like he's able. You don't act like he's powerful. You act like a, a little virus has far more power than the Holy Ghost who's living on the inside of your body. Let me just put that out. You realize the Holy Spirit himself is living on the inside of your body. The Holy Spirit himself. I'll read you something from Blood on the Door because I finished the first chapter this way based on Psalm 91. Listen to this. I put five bullet points at the end of the first chapter and I said, keep these things in mind as you read the book. Number one, it is not God's plan for you to live with or die of disease. Psalm 91.3. Number two, it is not God's plan for you to perish in a car or plane crash, Psalm 91.4. Number three, it's not God's plan for you to be destroyed by natural disasters, Psalm 91.6. Number four, it's not God's plan for you to be affected by terrorist attacks, 
which some believe the coronavirus is. Psalm 91.7. Number five, it's not God's plan for your life to be cut short at a young age. Psalm 91.16, with long life will I satisfy them. So understand something with me today. God's power in the Old Testament, which is far less than what we have today, the covenant they had is far inferior to the covenant we have today. His power remains the same, but his covenant with his people was an inferior covenant. And they were experiencing Psalm 91 style protection in old covenant times. And here we are in the new covenant. Here we are in the new covenant with Jesus Christ's blood already shed for his people, already went to the cross, already took stripes, already was nailed, taken down, put in a grave, three days later, resurrected, sended into heaven, seated on a throne far above principalities, powers, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, that which is to come, has put all things under his feet, made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filled all in all. <laughs> That's Ephesians chapter one, by the way. And we are sitting around acting like there is no God at all. We're literally acting like Christian atheists, saying he exists, but acting like he doesn't. And there's people, I mean, and I know these things are done by faith, which is why I'm coming on these broadcasts every morning, building your faith from the word of God. I know it works by faith. I know every Christian's not at the same faith level, but I'm doing my part to, to build your faith. That's why I ask you to share the broadcast. People need to hear this message. And I want you to write this in the comments right now. Write it in the comments. I am uncursable. I want you to write it in the comments. I am uncursable. Very important that you understand that. I am uncursable. You can't be cursed by a demon. You can't be cursed by the law. You can't be cursed by Satan himself. You can't be cursed by evil men with an antichrist agenda. I am uncursable. Do you know that in the Old Testament, there was an enemy king that tried to hire a prophet to curse God's people, tried to hire Balaam. This was King Balak in the book of Numbers, tried to hire Balaam to curse God's people so that they could overtake God's people. And so what happened? And so Balaam at least understood, I have to consult the Lord. He's like, I don't know if you know how prophecy works, but you know, I got to get a word from God. And after he did, he came back and said to King Balak, and I'm going to read you Numbers chapter 23, verses 8 and verse 20. Listen. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? And how can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Do you see that? God has blessed them. And I cannot reverse it. Nobody, no demon, no devil, no person with an antichrist agenda, no government, no terrorist can reverse the blessing of God that's on your life. 
How can anyone curse what God has blessed? How can I be cursed if God declared me blessed? People think of blessing and they think it's, you know, financial increase or they think it's healing. No, those are results of the blessing. Those are just the effects of the blessing. A blessing is a pronouncement. God pronounces a blessing on his people. And when God calls you blessed, all those other things have to follow. Financial increase, healing, peace, joy, uh, relationships that aren't broken, all those things. Strength in your body. They've got to follow the blessing. But the blessing is a pronouncement from God. And if he's pronounced you blessed, who's going to curse you? Who's going to curse you? Who is going to curse you? What is going to curse your body if God has called you blessed? What virus can curse your body if God's called you blessed? Listen to this. God said this to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. And by the way, we are partakers of the Abrahamic covenant according to Galatians chapter 3. Verses 14 and 29, that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles through faith. And then the Bible says in the 29th verse, Galatians 3, 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. One of the things God promised Abraham, I want you to look at it. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And so God is saying, I'll be the one who actually stands up on your side. And if a curse is is tried to be pronounced against you, I will curse the one who curses you. And I will bless the one who blesses you. It is in the best interest of even those with an antichrist agenda to bless the people of God and not attempt to curse them. Because God's already spoken. I will curse those that curse you. There's no curse that's greater than God's blessing. Remember that. There's no curse that's greater than God's blessing. You need to hear that today. Coronavirus is not anywhere close to the power of God. Not anywhere close. Not anywhere close. It's nothing in the presence of God. Now let me read this to you. Because this is an important verse for you to hear. Uh, I'm in First Peter now. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 5. Now I'll, uh, I'll read the second half of the verse. Verse 8. First Peter 5, 8. This is part B. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'll show you, he can't devour everybody. He can't devour everybody. He can only seek to devour those that he may devour. So what what does that mean? It means some people are devourable and others are not. Some people are devourable and others are not. What does he say? Let me just go ahead and read the whole context, okay? I think it would be, I think it would uh, be wise to read the whole context of the passage. First Peter, chapter 
5, verses 5 through 9. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favor to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. That's an important passage, and we're going to stick with it in just a second. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Of course, this is talking about persecution for Christianity. And so it's interesting here to me that a few things. Number one, Peter is encouraging the, the uh, believers. And by the way, first Peter is written to persecuted believers. And he lists which, which areas he's writing to at the very beginning of the book. Notice this. Number one, be humble. Humble means that I recognize God's ways are higher than my ways. Number two, cast all of your anxieties and fear upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That means you should not be fearful about what's going on. It is wrong. It is wrong to be fearful about what's going on. Hear me. Let me clearly say that again. It is wrong. It is sinful to be fearful about what's going on right now. That is a sin. Why is it a sin? Because a few reasons. Number one, the Bible says here, that you're not to have anxiety about the things going on in the world. You're not to have fear. You're to cast those things upon him because he is caring for you. And then the Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. <clears throat> Go on to Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. So anything that's not from faith is displeasing to God. If you've displeased God, that's sin. <laughs> Pleasing God is righteousness. Displeasing God is sin. And Hebrews 11 says you cannot please God without faith. <clears throat> it's impossible. Well, let me just say, faith doesn't doubt God. Faith doesn't doubt his power. Faith doesn't doubt his glory, his ability, his nature. It believes him and it believes his word. It believes his word. How can I read that and read that no evil thing will come near my dwelling place in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? I think, well, I know the Bible says that, but you know, uh, it's very important that, that we understand that, you know, there are natural things happening in the world and we're natural by no, that means you've put more stock in what the news media has said and what people who have studied the coronavirus have said rather than what God, the creator has said, no evil thing 
will come near your dwelling place. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things will not touch you. That is the inspired, inerrant word of God. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things, what things? The things causing the thousand to fall at your side the things causing the 10,000 to fall at your right hand. Those things will not touch you. They've got no right to touch your body. No right. That's why I'm not canceling my flights. I'm not canceling my schedule. I'm not stopping going where I'm called to go. I got to go overseas twice in the next six weeks. I'm not canceling that. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. How do you explain it? Okay, here's a question from Periscope from someone named Holiness on Periscope. How do you explain to the victims who were murdered in church family? How can they not be afraid? Uh, Because the Bible commands you not to be. You think they were the first Christians to ever be murdered? Go back to the early church. This is why 1 Peter was actually written, in case you don't know. This is why uh, Peter wrote this first letter. If I go back to the first chapter of first Peter, he says, Peter, this is verse one and two, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Let me stop there. The dispersion, otherwise known as the diaspora. What does that mean? People who fled Jerusalem and went around the world because of persecution in the first century of the, of the early church. And they were heavily persecuted until about 313, the fourth century, heavily persecuted and Christianity grew and flourished around the world. And they had the letters of, of scripture encouraging them. Do not be afraid. If they were afraid, Christianity would not would not have spread. If they were afraid, it would not have overtaken the world and turned the world upside down. If they were afraid, they would not have continued to preach the word of God. If they were afraid, you see what I'm saying? So you're, you, you can encourage people to not be afraid because the Bible says to not be afraid. By the way, in America and in Europe, we're not seeing the uh, persecution like they saw in the early church. We're not seeing anything close to it. Nothing close. Now, there are people seeing it around the world today in other nations, parts of Africa, India, the Middle East, obviously. But we're not we're not seeing that here. But you can you can clearly see that this was written to people who were seeing it. And he said so in the context, by the way, remember this. I've said it about 50 times over the last week. Context matters context of scripture matters. This whole letter is written to believers that are suffering for their faith. And what does Peter tell them? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, so I can't even pronounce this name, but Urz Fantastikub on YouTube. So if someone is affected by Corona, it's because they were not faithful enough. That's not what I said. Everything that we receive from God is received by faith. And many times I don't blame the people in the pews because their pastors have not taught what the Bible says. 
And so many times the ministers, the leadership are to blame for the lack of faith in the churches because they've not preached what the word of God says. And so how can you go to a church, not hear the word of God and be expected to have great faith if your pastor or or whatever minister comes in to preach at your church won't even preach the full counsel of God? I mean, people hear me preach this about healing. They preach, they hear me preach this about walking in the power of God. And you could assume that it's preached everywhere. It's preached almost nowhere. It's preached almost nowhere. The stories that I told you yesterday about uh, Dr. John G. Lake, and I, I used them this week while I was preaching, he was labeled a heretic for even believing the way, believing the way he did believe uh, in, in the power of God that re- resided in his body. He was labeled a heretic for believing like that, that he was a God man filled with the power of God, that a, that a, a, a seed always reproduces after its own kind, that if God has children and the Bible calls them sons of God, that when they come from God, in fact, let's go to first uh, John chapter four, go to first John four and look at this. Cause this is where I was headed anyway. First John chapter four. And, uh, you know, Dr. Lake, who saw miracles after miracle after miracle, signs and wonders, uh, was labeled a heretic for believing that the power of God resided in his body and, uh, and that he was a child of God, meaning he was part of Christ, meaning that as Christians, we are Christ. We are Christ. You can't differentiate Christians from Christ. If you could differentiate a Christian from Christ, that means they're not a Christian. Because either you're part of his body or you're not. If you're not part of his body, you're not a Christian. I want you to write that in the comments. If I'm not part of Christ's body, I'm not a Christian. Now that sounds to you and me elementary. That sounds easy enough to understand. Yes, if I'm not part of the body of Christ, I'm not a Christian. Write it in the comments. If I'm not a part of the body of Christ, I'm not a Christian. That's scriptural, by the way. And so understand what I'm, ta- what I'm talking about, because this is what Brother Lake was per- persecuted about. He understood the fullest. I mean, people don't even think logically. Think to the full logical end of what the Bible is saying and teaching. That if you are his body, you are him. If you're his body, that's why I always, that's why I always say this. <clears throat> that's why I always say If I were to introduce myself to you, I don't say, hi, nice to meet you. My, my, my head's name is Ted. My body's name is Richard. I don't introduce the parts of my body as different entities. When I meet you, my arms are George and Roger. My torso is Eric. My legs are Jim and Derek. No, I I don't do that. Because each part of my body, now I'd like to introduce you to my toes. I have 10 toes and I'd like to introduce you to each one of them. Now I don't, that's crazy. They would put you in an insane asylum and give you a straitjacket. I don't introduce every member of my body as a different entity because they're not. My hands are me. My arms are me. My torso is me. My legs are me. My feet are me. My toes are me. My eyes are me. My ears are me. It's all me. It's all Ted. 
And when you come into the body of Christ, remember what Paul taught throughout the New Testament, we are united with Christ. We are made one with him. We're made one with him. I'm not separated from Jesus. I'm a part of him. I'm a part of him. I am the body of Christ. And so if I'm part of his body, then I am him. (laughs) And it's not hard to understand. It's Paul's revelation. It's called uh, Pauline revelation because God gave it to Paul. He wrote it in the New Testament that we've been united with Christ. We're united with him in baptism. We're united with him in death. We're united with him in crucifixion. We're united with him in burial, united with him in resurrection, united with him in ascension, united with him in seating in heavenly places. We're united. We're one with God. The Bible says in the gospel of John chapter one and verse 12, to as many as believed on his name, he gave them power. One translation says he gave them the right to become sons of God. So you're a son of God. And I'll go a step further because it's what the Bible teaches. You are just as much a son of God as Jesus is the son of God. No issue with that. There is no issue with that. You are just as much a son of God as Jesus is a son of God. In fact, you could go all the way to say, Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. He was at the time because nobody else was a son of God. But when he died and completed redemption story, he gave you power to become a son of God. That's what John 1.12 is saying. To as many as believed on his name, he gave them power or authority or the right to become sons of God. So now there's not just one son of God. There are millions of sons of God. You and I are sons of God. And that means we're united with Christ. And if we're united with Christ, we are Christ. If we're united with Christ, we are Christ. I like what Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says. It says, Um, those that are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The picture there is like a new garment. I have put on Christ. I am inside of Christ. I'm part of his body. I'm part of his body. So this is why I say things like this, and you can write it in the comments if you'd like, because it's faith building. What cannot harass Jesus cannot harass me. And so as I'm explaining to people, Uh, you know, that's why I said, well, what, what about some Christians that catch coronavirus? Everything is received by faith. Being a Christian does not automatically exempt you from all trouble. It doesn't. You can look around the world and clearly see that you can know that there's Christians that are poor. There's Christians that are sick. There's Christians that are divorced. There's Christians who their children won't speak to them anymore. There's Christians that are depressed. There's Christians that are anxious. Am I condemning them? No. I'm telling them that there's a higher way of living available through the power of God, his word, and faith in his word. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass me. How can I be harassed as the body of Christ by something Jesus redeemed me from? See, that's faith in his word saying, I refuse to be harassed. I refuse to be harassed. That thing is trespassing. Now, let me give you a good analogy so that you understand how this works. 
because people say, well, there's people that are being harassed. I know that. I know there are. So I mean, it's like one of my main jobs as a minister is to deliver the captive, set the captives free. Jesus anointed us to do it as believers, set the captives free. But here's what you've got to understand. <clears throat> I love you, Angela. Love you, Latoya. Here, here's what you've got to understand as a believer. Think about it in this context. If you had land, if you owned land, and you had this huge sprawling you know, field and yard that you, that you owned and that was your property, but you didn't have a fence up, and you were not quite sure exactly where your property began and ended, then, then if, if you had an enemy or a trespass, a trespasser, trespasser, yeah, come onto your property, you wouldn't really quite be able with authority to argue with them to get off because you're not sure where your property begins and where your property ends. So you might be standing out there close to the border of your property and somebody's setting up shop on your land to do whatever they want to do. But because you're not sure, right, where your property starts or ends, legally, you can't really be dogmatic about telling them, get off my property. You can't build a house here. This is my property. I own this. But if you don't know where yours begins and where yours ends, you cannot with any kind of uh, courage or faith or even knowledge tell them to get off. That's why it's important for every Christian to understand the line of demarcation between what God said is theirs and what's not. Because if you don't know that it belongs to you, already purchased, already purchased, you don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it. You have to receive it by faith. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. If you don't know it to be true, if you don't know it's yours, you can't take it. You cannot operate in it. You can't have it. You can't live in it. And so you've got to know it and you've got to keep listening to it. That's why I don't listen to every preacher that's on television or on the internet. I don't listen to all of them because they're not all preaching the truth. They're not all preaching faith. Why would I want to listen to a preacher or teacher that teaches me I shouldn't expect the promises of God to be fulfilled in my life. There's preachers that preach that teachers that teach that. Well, brother, you know, I know that that's what they saw in the early church, but I don't want you to get your hopes up and I don't want you blah, 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 blah. Worthless, worthless. There's preachers that won't preach the truth for there's many reasons they won't. But one of the reasons is because they're afraid nothing will happen when they do preach it and people expect it. That's fear. That's fear. I'm not the one who has to make God back up his word. He backs it up. I'm just preaching it. He backs it up. It's his word. I trust him to manifest his word and his power and his presence. I'm not, I'm not the one that has to make, I don't have to make God look good. He's God by himself. He was God before I was born. He was working signs and wonders and miracles before I was a thought. 
I'm not his lawyer. I'm his messenger. <clears throat> and so why would I listen to some faithless preacher that doesn't have a word in his mouth, that doesn't have faith in his spirit? It's going through the motions. Many of them are hirelings. It's a job to them. And they don't want to preach something strong because they don't want to get fired by their board. I'm just telling you the truth and what's going on in America and around the world today. I don't want to get fired. I'd like to keep my job security. So I want to keep it in the middle of the road. Keep it, you know, pablum. Yeah, keep doing that as people are dying. Amen. And so it needs to be said because you need to guard your heart. There's people that'll leave, they'll leave the news on six hours a day in their home. They just leave the news channel on. They listen to everything Fox News has to say. They listen to everything CNN, CNBC, ABC, NBC News has to say about what's going on in the world. They don't take any time to read their Bible or listen to preaching or build their faith, build their spirit. Craziness. <clears throat> it's like F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth said, who wrote the book, uh, Christ the Healer. He said, Christians, this is what he wrote in this book. He said, Christians give their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week and wonder why they're so weak in faith. You go to a church that won't preach the word, little one hour service, get you in and out so you can get home to your pot roast so it doesn't dry out on you. So you'll come back next week and fill the pew because we need your offerings because we got a building we can't afford. And so we can't afford to offend anybody and have people leave the church because if we preach the true full word of God, people might get upset. And you're giving your little spirit one cold snack a week and then, you know, filling your body with, and your mind with all of the reports of the world, all of the things that are said by an antichrist spirit, an antichrist agenda, and then wondering why, wondering why. I don't know where my faith is. I feel so weak in faith. I feel so depressed. I feel so anxious. Pick me. I know why. Because what you feed yourself is what's going to manifest. <laughs> if all I ate was fast food four times a day for 30 years, I wouldn't ask myself why I was overweight. I just don't know why I keep gaining weight. I do know why. I do know why I keep gaining weight <laughs> and why I'm... Gaining weight right now. I know why. It's not a it's not a mystery. And so don't be don't be surprised when you feed your spirit and your soul junk food all day long, and you only eat your vegetables for twenty minutes on Sunday morning, and wonder why your spirit's unhealthy and can't receive the things of God, and faith is not there to receive the promises and covenants of God. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. The wisdom says, strengthen your spirit. Paul told the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter six, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Now, I took you to 1 John 4, 4, because I wanted you to see this. I was talking about the fact that we're sons of God. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, is greater than he who's in the world. Well, who's in you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in your physical body. You catch that? The same Spirit 
that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in your physical body. Paul told the church in in, in Corinth, he said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So God filled your body with his mighty Holy Spirit, and we're sitting around worried about bacteria and a virus. Meanwhile, here's a spirit that went into a tomb, not once, but many times, and raised a dead decomposing body back from the dead. But we're worried about a little virus, little bacteria, little cough, little respiratory issue. We're worried about that. Meanwhile, Jesus was completely dead for three days. And that same Holy Spirit that raised his dead body back from the dead is living inside your mortal body right this second. And quickening you, the Bible says. That's the King James word, he's quickening you. Just means he's making you alive. Can I give you one of my prayer points today? I pray this often. It's one of the things that I say in prayer. And I'll just say it in the form of 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 thanksgiving. I'll say, Lord, I thank you that today my body is filled with your Holy Spirit. The life-giving Spirit of God is in my body. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that as that Spirit is in my body, Every one of my organs is being touched by that spirit. The same spirit that gave life to a dead body is giving life to the organs of my body. I thank you, Lord, that my heart is today being affected by a life-giving spirit called the Holy Ghost. I thank you that my kidneys, my liver, my stomach, my lungs, my pancreas, my blood cells, they're all being touched and affected today by a life-giving spirit called the Holy Spirit that is in my physical body. My muscles, my joints, my tendons, my bones, the marrow that's producing the blood of my body, they're all being affected today in Jesus' name by the life-giving spirit that dwells on the inside of me. I thank you, Lord, that you're quickening me today. I thank you that you're strengthening me today. I thank you that every passing day that I live, I get stronger than I was the day before because in God, everything increases. And so I thank you, Lord, today that the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me is strengthening every aspect of my physical body in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that my brain and my brain function is being touched today by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, that my memory is better today than it's ever been. My vision is better today than it's ever been. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just live in my belly. He lives in my entire body. He's in my eyes today, making my eyes well. He is today in my eardrums, making my hearing perfect. I'll never need hearing aids in Jesus' name. I'll never need any assistance. You can just start to pray like this and let your faith take over. Let your faith take over and pray over your body and recognize and honor the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of your body and begin to declare it. I'm not saying that because you have the Holy Spirit in your body, you don't have to use wisdom with your body. I'm not saying that. That would be stupid to say. Of course you need to use wisdom. I love how everybody who doesn't like to work out, 
goes and points to what Paul said to Timothy. Physical exercise only profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Yeah. (laughs) Think about this. In comparison to godliness, physical exercise only profits a little. But remember, it does profit you. It is helpful. It is good. It's not bad to take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. If Jesus Christ was coming to stay at your house and you had a guest room for him, would you throw him in the basement, you know, next to the heater, you know, and say, Hey, we got a little cot downstairs for you in the basement. Uh, we're, and we're going to have, uh, we're going to have you just stay down there. It's a little damp, but I think you'll be all right. We gave you an extra blankets an Afghan that, uh, my great aunt Margaret, uh, you know, she, she sewed it about three years ago. Or would you evacuate the master bedroom? Redo it. New carpet. I mean, I mean, I want you to think about this literally. If someone told you that on November the 15th of this year, Jesus Christ in bodily form would be staying at your house for a week. Are you telling me that you'd put him in some side guest room or would you give him the master bedroom? Would you redo it? Would you repaint it? Would you put new carpet in, new sheets, get a new mattress, anything that would make him more comfortable? Are you telling me that you would not prepare that room to be the nicest it could possibly be for, uh, this is already on YouTube, Troy. I'm live on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook right now. You telling me you wouldn't make that room as nice as possible. For Jesus, when he was coming to stay stay with you, of course you would. In the same way, why wouldn't you make this temple as nice as it could be for the Holy Spirit to live in? Why Why are we destroying the temple of God when we know he's living in this temple? Every day he lives in here. Every night he's in here. Why would I create... A, destro- a destroyed temple for him to live in. We got to use wisdom. I'm not saying don't use wisdom, but I'm not. what I'm saying is don't allow the wisdom of men to overrule your faith in God's word. Faith in God is simply faith in his word. That's right. Mackenzie said, I'd clean it every day until that day came. Of course, of course we would. We would do that. Roberta said, uh, Robert, sorry, Robert said, it would be hard to preach healing in tow with a with an oxygen tank in tow. That's true. It's true. So understand something. The the and, and Kimberly brings it out. The great physician is on the inside of you. The mighty power of the Holy Ghost. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. I want you to hear this with me today. The greater one lives on the inside of your body. Well, if he's the greater one, what is he greater than? He's greater than cancer. He's greater than coronavirus. He's greater than tuberculosis. He's greater than diabetes. He's greater than arthritis. He's greater than macular degeneration. He's he's greater than COPD. He's greater than hearing loss. He's greater than broken marriages. He's greater than uh, problems with your vision, greater than cataracts. He's greater than glaucoma. He's greater than all of these issues that try to plague and affect the human body. He's greater than all of those things. 
And remember what I taught you yesterday, that uh, we are seated far above every name that is named at the right hand of the Father. And so if we're seated far above them, then they're so far below us that we should not have to be harassed by the things of this world. In order to be harassed by the things of this world, you have to lower yourself from a place of ruling and reigning and enter into what the world is doing and what they're receiving. And so you need to understand this today. You need to very, very much understand this. And it's not just faith, Della. Della's asking, so if we're not cured, it's because we don't have faith. It's not just faith. But understand, it is revelation knowledge of God's word. What did God say himself? Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. What did Jesus say in John 8, 32? He said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. One of the reasons many people remain sick throughout their entire life is because they're not being taught the revelation of God's word on divine healing and divine protection, which is why I take entire broadcasts to talk about it because it's not being talked about. It's not being taught. It's not being brought forth. And the reason that people many times are struggling, it has nothing to do with the fact that God's sovereign and he just wants them to struggle for a greater purpose. No, he doesn't. What kind of a father does that to their children? I mean, what kind of a father does God, I mean, God's a, Jesus makes the point in Matthew chapter seven, that God's a much greater father than we earthly fathers are. And he says this, which of you earthly fathers, if your child asked you for a stone, would you give them or give bread, would give them a stone. And if I asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? And then he says, how much greater is your heavenly father? Who knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him? So he's making the point that earthly fathers love their children. Earthly fathers seek to bless their children, but they're not greater than the heavenly father who loves his children even more than earthly fathers do. And if an earthly father doesn't want his child to struggle and suffer and to go through pain, neither does the heavenly father who loves you much more. I don't know any parent that says, you know what, if my kid doesn't clean their room again, I'm going to find a a way to get cancer into their body just to get them to more fully depend on me. If my kid disobeys me one more time, I'm going to find a way to inject them with a virus and a bacteria so that they know the pain of disobedience. No, that is not. Um, Yes, Della, I am saying believers should not suffer with sickness and disease because Christ shed his blood for not just the remission of sins, but for the healing of your sickness and your disease. And every person in the New Testament that Jesus encountered who was sick or diseased, he healed them. He did not turn them away and say, it's not God's will for you particularly. He healed them all. Every person that the apostles met in the book of Acts and throughout Uh, the New Testament that was sick and diseased, uh, they healed them and they brought them into health. Why? It's God's desire. It's what Jesus purchased with his blood. And not to mention that the book of James says, 
in the fifth chapter to the church, by the way, that if there are any sick people among the church, notice this, it doesn't say, well, just pray that God will help you to bear it because many times he does it for his own glory. No, what the Bible says in the book of James is, is there any sick among you? Let them call upon the elders of the church who will lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. So we're actually commanded, Della, to not stay suffering with sickness and disease in the Bible. Now, if you're talking about suffering in terms of being persecuted for your salvation, which is what the Bible means when it says suffer, and I could do a whole uh, broadcast on that. Peter's talking about suffering in where we were just reading first Peter chapter five. He's not talking about sickness and disease. He's not talking about going through those things physically. He's talking about, uh, he's talking to the dispersion of Christians because of persecution about the persecution they're receiving in Jerusalem. That's what he's talking about. So yes, Della, I am saying that Christians shouldn't have to suffer with sickness and disease and that they should walk in healing and health, and that that's God's desire for every single believer. It's God's desire. And remember this, just because just because Christians don't experience that, some of them, does not mean that it's not God's desire that they do experience it. For example, it would be like saying, if my little daughter was going out to ride her bike and she was riding around the block and she starts riding and then thank God, Aaron, praise God. Aaron Kirsten, love you, buddy. Love you very much. 68. Praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, my daughter's riding around the block in her bike on her bike and falls off, bashes her knee, skins it. It's bleeding. And then she stood up and said, I can't believe my father allowed this to happen. He let me out here riding my bike and he did not protect me from this. Do you think it was my desire that my daughter go around the block and wreck her bike and scrape her knee and start to bleed and cry? You think that was my desire as a father? No, no. What does a loving father do? A loving father if understands if my daughter cannot uh, ride her bike, I get her a bike with training wheels because I love her. And if she's learning, I stand there with her. It's not my desire, but does it happen? Yes, it happens. It happens if people make mistakes. And one of the mistakes people make is not hearing and, and adhering to the word of God. It's a mistake to reject the word of God. It's a mistake to reject what God said. It's a mistake for preachers to not preach what God said. In fact, they'll, help, they'll be held accountable for it. And that's what people are dealing with all over America today. They're dealing with the fact that you've got spiritual leadership that will not preach the unadulterated word of God, and they'll mix in other things for whatever reason. I don't know what the reasons are because I'm sure they're vast, but they won't preach the unadulterated word of God and will not preach what I'm talking to you about today, which is the fact that God not only will heal you, he'll keep you in health and he'll protect you. Now, you shouldn't have to sit around worried, looking at Charlie Champ, who's on the broadcast today, who's traveling to different nations. He's not sitting around with a surgical mask on his face, canceling his schedule because there's outbreaks around the world. Let me tell you something. Don't forget about coronavirus. You keep going back. 
There's always something. Zika virus, mosquitoes, malaria, uh, swine flu, bird flu, unicorn flu, dragon flu. Who who knows what else they're going to come up with next? You think there's going to be a time when there's not pestilence? You think there's going to be a time when there's not something going on in the world somewhere? You think we're going to stop doing what God called us to do because there's something happening in the world? There's always going to be something happening in the world. That's why I told you that story about John G. Lake at the turn of the last century going to South Africa during the bubonic plague. There's always going to be something going on. Are we going to cancel our lives as spirit-filled believers because the enemy is attacking in the world? No. Give me a break. Greater is he that is in me. How can I have the understanding? Think about this. I mean, please help me by thinking logically. Think about this. I'm told in the Bible that if I will lay my hands on the sick, then they shall recover. I'm being told by spiritual leadership not to shake hands with someone because I may catch a disease. So which one is it? Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands receive disease? Which of the two is it? Please think logically. Please listen to what the Bible says. And think logically. Why do I have to accept a truth because it's come from a government? Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch disease? That's a question that you're forced to answer today. Well, brother, don't don't get out there and start touching your face and shaking hands and giving high fives. I make, as I said yesterday, if I see you, I might greet you with a holy kiss. (laughs) I might greet you with a holy kiss. Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch disease? What do I have to say about the word of God? Because here's the bottom line. Yes, Della, if you are saved, if you are, she's asking the question, do we all have the ability to heal? Yes, if you are saved, if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the same power Christ had and your hands can heal the sick. Let me read to you the gospel of Mark and chapter 16. Listen to this. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, and these signs, verse 17, will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues and they'll pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 12, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater works than these, because I'm going to be with the father. Why did he say that? Because what he was saying was, I'm going to send you the Holy spirit. And now that you're filled with the Holy spirit, the works Jesus did, you will do also. And even greater works, not greater in quality, greater in quantity. Jesus only did them for three years. I've already been ministering six times longer than Jesus did. Six times longer. So you think about that. I have more opportunity. I have more time to minister than Jesus did. And so we have the ability to do what he did. So we have to make up our minds. Am I filled with the Holy Ghost or not? Is a greater power living in my body or not? Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch disease? Do my hands heal the sick Or do my hands catch disease? And that sounds funny. That sounds funny, like, you know, as a rhetorical question. 
But it's really a logical question in light of what we're facing today with the scare about the coronavirus. Everybody's not supposed to gather. Everybody's not supposed to touch. Everybody's not supposed to do anything. We can't, you know, canceling it, canceling everything. Whatever. I, I refuse to fall prey to the fear mongering of the world. I, I really, I really do. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that it's people's lawyers. I'm talking about spiritual leaders. I'm convinced it's people's lawyers that are really giving them the the heads up to do what they're doing. It's not the Holy Ghost leading them to to, to do what they're doing. I'm convinced it's their 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 attorneys. It's their their legal teams that are convincing them to do what they're doing, and they're taking a a piece of advice from a legal team. That's just me. But hear what I'm saying. Uh, You've got to make up your mind at some point. Whose report am I going to believe? Whose report am I going to believe? Let me tell you something. If God can't keep me healed of the coronavirus, I might as well just hang up today. I might as well hang it up. Literally. If God can't keep me from the coronavirus, I might as well, this, this should be my last year preaching the gospel, last year. Next, 2021, I should be doing something else. I should be doing another job. I should go sell used cars or something. If God can't keep me from coronavirus, then what in the world are we all doing? What are we doing? If we serve a God that can't even keep us from a, a little bacteria, a little virus, and we're expecting him to keep us from an antichrist system and an antichrist agenda and the antichrist himself. Please. Please. I just don't get it. I don't get it. We have to ask ourselves, do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch disease? <laughs> Wash your hands. You know what? It's so funny about the washing your hands. I hope people are still washing their hands like they're doing now when the coronavirus scare is over. You should be washing your hands anyway. Let me ask you a question. Jesus, my wife said this always makes her laugh. We think Jesus was doing, walking around with a, on his belt of his robe, a little clip-on hand sanitizer that every time he laid hands on somebody in the Middle East, he just pumped some of that into his hands What do you think? He laid hands or spoke, even getting around the, the lepers that should have been, they risked their lives to come see Jesus because they were quarantined to leper colonies because of how contagious leprosy was. You think Jesus was sitting around pumping hand sanitizer into his hands because, you know, there's lepers that have, lepers, lepers. Jesus wasn't sitting around doing that. He was the word made flesh, full of the power in the Holy Ghost. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper. Of course they weren't made yet. <laughs> I know that. Somebody on Periscope actually thought <laughs> that I thought that there was hand sanitizer <laughs> available in Bible times. You don't think Jesus went down to the CVS? You don't think Jesus went to his local Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness nor did he carry motrin it's true jesus did not carry motrin <laughs> 
But you got to make up in your mind. You have to make up in your mind. Do my hands heal the sick? Do my hands carry power or do they catch disease? It's one or the other. They can't be both, by the way. Can't be a logical thinker and think it's both. It's one or the other. Either there's a power in me that destroys sickness and disease or there's no power and I just catch sickness and disease. You understand? Either I have power in me and you have power in you that destroys these things as Jesus, the Bible says Jesus did. First John 3, 8, the son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil or We don't have power and we just should be, we'll be out catching disease somewhere. Yes, I can talk about how to, how to balance wisdom and faith. I can talk about that for sure. If the Bible commands you to do something, wisdom and faith does it. There's no separation between wisdom and faith because true wisdom acts in faith. So I want you to see this. For example, Acts, uh, or excuse me, Hebrews 10, 25. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. We are commanded to gather We are commanded to gather as believers, commanded to, commanded to, let me, let me just listen, let me, uh, let me put it to you in a, in, in a way that, um, is, is still happening today that I'm sure the same argument could be made for this. Um, if you go to church in China, in an underground church, many places where it's illegal, uh, you could be arrested or killed, you know. So let's just use wisdom. Let's just use wisdom and all do it from home. Let's just all, because we know like if we do go out and meet in our underground church, there's a very good chance that we'll be caught, shot, imprisoned, whatever. So let's let's just use wisdom and stay home and worship the Lord. Well, the problem with that is that you're commanded to gather as believers in an assembly, in an assembly. Come together and worship the Lord. That's a command from scripture. Well, let's just, let's just use wisdom, brother. And, and, you know, we're in China. Let's just do it. No, we're commanded to gather. So you could say, well, human wisdom would say, let's just, you can still be a Christian. I mean, going to church doesn't save you. Very true. Going to church doesn't save you. However, however, we are commanded in scripture to assemble as believers. So wisdom and faith obeys the same command there, to assemble. Not to stay home, to assemble. I'm I'm not coming against people that have chosen to stay home. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that if you're asking me to divide the difference between Wisdom and faith, faith always obeys God's word, always. So listen, people could say, well, and and trust me, I guarantee you people probably will say this. 
Well, brother, you know, right now, as we're in this kind of a crisis, we don't necessarily, I know there's people that need prayer in the church, but we don't want to lay hands on them. What we're going to do is just going to raise our hands and just, um, we're just going to just pray a, a mass prayer over God's people so that we don't have to touch anybody. You know, we don't really want to be touching right now. Oh, really? Because the Bible commands spiritual leaders to lay their hands on the sick and anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. So you can just pass that off as wisdom if you want to. And say, well, brother, we're just using wisdom by not laying hands on the believers during this scare. You can say that if you want to, but that's basically you saying that you believe a virus is more powerful than healing power that God's deposited into your hands. There's no way around it. It's you saying, I refuse to obey the commands of God's word for spiritual leadership because of what's going on in the world. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how you can read the Bible and not think that. I mean, the Bible's not vague. It's clear as to what we're supposed to do. So you have to actually either believe, you've got to either believe that what God's word said is true and act it out, or you just don't believe it and you won't do it. And so if I'm just, you asked me to differentiate between wisdom and faith. I don't ever give people, um, advice about what they should do with their own personal life. People have been writing me and asking me, should I let my kids go to school or should I pull them out? Should I go to work or should I stay? That's your business. You do what you feel led by the spirit to do. I'm talking about when it comes to obeying the word, the word tells us to assemble at church. The word tells us to lay hands on the sick. The word tells our elders to anoint us with oil and lay hands upon us. Now, I don't know any cases um, at all in the United States or anywhere where they're refusing to lay hands on the sick. I mean, I don't know of any. I don't know of any. I'm just saying that it'll probably, if people allow fear mongering to continue, it'll come to that where people will make those, um, you know, make those statements. We're not going to lay hands on the sick, you know. So, but it's a principle. It's a principle. The Holy Spirit never doesn't want to move. He always wants to move. Always wants to heal. Always wants to touch his people. Always wants to manifest his presence and bring you into a better place than you are now. If you're sick, he wants you whole. If you are, uh, bound he wants you delivered you see so it's insane it's insane we've got to believe the word we've got to believe god there's my friend pastor aaron butler love you so much he's in california pastoring doing a phenomenal job we went to bible school together and he's a powerful man of god i love you aaron it's great to see you on today i'm gonna finish by praying for you today because I, I, not only do I want to see God's people touched, I want your faith to be built. That's why I come on here every day and just for an hour and a half talk to you from the word of God about what the spirit is saying. <clears throat> because I want you to not only be healed, not, not only to be delivered, but I want you to be built in faith to the place where you don't have to wait on another revival. You don't have to wait on, you know, you can lay your hands on your own head 
lay your hands on your own children and believe God for miracles in your own house by your own faith. And so maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you are bound by sickness and disease today. Maybe you're watching this and you're believing for a miracle. I'm going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman that's watching, maybe on the replay, maybe they're listening on the podcast. I pray, Lord, today that you touch their bodies. I pray that you'd touch their bodies. I pray that you would bring a healing flow throughout their body in Jesus' name. Lord, every wicked thing that's been sent against them to take them out, I rebuke it today in the mighty name of Jesus. I loose the power of God. I loose the power of God. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. You're the only one that'll get the glory for these things. You're the only one that'll get the praise for these miracles. You're the only one that we will magnify when these things come to pass because you're the only one that can do these things. No one else can heal like you heal. Nobody else can deliver like you deliver. Nobody else can set free like you set free. And so, Lord, I pray. And now, Lord, I pray for those that are battling addictions like those you've set free this week. I take authority over nicotine addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, prescription medication addiction, pornography addiction. I curse it in Jesus' name, command it to be broken. Loose your grip, Satan, let them go. Be made free in Jesus' name. Take authority over anxiety. Lord, those that have been attacked in their mind during this entire time of fear-mongering, anxiety, fear, panic, I take authority over it in Jesus' name. And I loose the power of God to God's people. Receive peace today. Receive joy today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let me just say, I would highly, and not not because I I wrote it, but I wrote it for this purpose, and I highly recommend this to you. This is the book that I wrote entitled Blood on the Door, The Protective Power of Covenant. If you've not read this, it's on Kindle, it's on Apple Books, it's on Amazon. You can get it on our website, miracleword.com. But this book will open your eyes to from the word of God, how God protects you through this covenant he's made with you through Jesus Christ and his blood, the lamb of God that was slain, the blood of the lamb is on the doorpost of your home. And it's a barrier that by faith is keeping out every wicked thing, every wicked thing. And God wants you to be free for everybody. By the way, this is, this goes right hand in hand. This goes right hand in hand. Uh, If you look, this is a powerful book that was written by A.A. Allen, who was a mighty man of God, mighty man of God, and in the voice of healing. He wrote a book called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. And for everybody that's sowing this month and standing with our ministry as we're going around the world, preaching the gospel, seeing people healed and saved and changed, we're going to send you this gift as uh, our way of saying thank you to you the price of God's uh, miracle working power. And so 
it will bless you. It'll bless you big time. And then also, we have people that are standing with us at $1,000. If you sow $1,000 this month, we're going to send you, as well as that book, one of these beautiful new life application study Bibles, uh, Genuine Leather. It's filled with notes. It's filled with backgrounds, maps, profiles, themes. It'll help you study the Word. And as I said, I'm going to uh, probably do a couple of broadcasts next week where we're going to talk about and teach you on how to um, properly study. If you're going to do a topical study, a word study, how to study the word to get you the most that you can get out of each study session in the word of God and not make the, um, the mistakes that many people do, that many people do. So it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see God moving. Um, I wanted to answer a question. Julie, do me a favor and send an email to Jenna at MiracleWord.com. Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, at MiracleWord.com. And um, no, uh, wh- whoever that is on Periscope, human human being, the homeless are not going to be hungry today. Our ministry is feeding hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homeless and orphaned around the world every single day. If you caught us from the beginning, you'll see that we're doing everything we can to not just feed the hungry, but to preach the gospel and to heal the sick and to see people changed by the mighty power of God. And uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see people being changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Colleen, for joining. Appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we're going to be back again on Monday. I hope you have a powerful weekend. I don't know where you're at. Yeah, at the very beginning every uh, of every broadcast, we show what we're doing through Feed the Hungry. Thank you, Jamisha. Appreciate you sowing a seed. Um, those Bibles are phenomenal, Lenny, and I, I took one for myself because I love, love, love that ability to go so deep in the study. Found out that it's the number one study Bible in the United States right now. I didn't know that when we bought them, but they are phenomenal, and they're they're gorgeous as well. Um, don't forget, don't forget, um, we're going to be in Imlay city on Sunday, three services, nine, 11, and five. If you're anywhere close, if you're anywhere close, come and join me in Imlay city. And then of course I'm staying over for Wednesday. I will be in Livonia, Michigan with my friend, pastor Marlon Reed. And, uh, I'll have details for that as well coming up. But it's going to be a great weekend. I don't know where um, you are attending church, but get into your assembly this week and join your believers and, uh, and stand in faith and pray for those that need miracles because there are. There are many that need the power of God to change their lives right now, many. And they need you and I to stand in faith and be strong, not doubt God's word, but believe it. And things will be quickly changing as we stand in faith. If you'd like to sow your seed on the website, it's miracleword.com. Uh, we receive PayPal as well. The information's on the screen. Uh, the Cash App and also Venmo, same username, MWGive. And then, of course, if you're watching on Periscope or Facebook, uh, you can use hashtag donate in the comments section as well. Thank you to everybody that's standing with us. I really appreciate it. And we love you guys and appreciate you guys sowing seeds. Uh, Gladys, the, the study Bible that we send 
is in the New Living Translation um, with all those notes. And then um, I also use the ESV uh, when I'm preaching, which I love the ESV as well. Uh, And then, of course, you know, if you guys follow Miracle Word University that we launched online, and by the way, we have bundled all of our courses, uh, all four courses, 20 plus hours of teaching and uh, give you giving you 28% off. Um, that's like getting a course for free, only $199 or over four months, you can do $50 a month uh, to receive all four of these courses. The latest course is Mountain Moving Faith, which just released. It's the fastest um, that we've ever had signups for a course. And uh, it's awesome. People are enjoying it. We're already getting people back, sending back messages. I've never seen, heard anything like this taught. I've been going to church for years. And this seems like new, new to, to new to me. And lots of testimonies coming back. You can check it all out at miraclewordu.com. And then, of course, with those bundled courses, you don't even need a, a checkout code. And uh, you can actually get. The, the course for free. We're leaving that up for you guys. We're leaving that up for you guys. And so it'll be a blessing to you. It's going to be a great weekend, man. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Any questions before we go? I do not have, Lena, I do not have the Passion Translation. I do not have Passion Translation. Um, <laughs> uh, the name of the study Bible is Life Application, Taya. Life Application. And so if you guys haven't, and the Lord spoke to me to do this back in what, November of 2017, we launched um, Miracle Word University. It's something the Lord spoke to me to do when I was in in Georgia uh, so that we could teach what I'm teaching today, the doctrines of scripture from a Pentecostal perspective uh, to those that have not heard that. We've got a whole generation of people that don't understand God's word. This will build your faith. It'll put you in position to do what God's called you to do. So I encourage you to check it out. No, I do not believe God sent the coronavirus uh, because America is satanic at all. God's not the author of sickness and disease. He's the author of healing and health. And so for people that think God sent the coronavirus, you don't know the God we serve. He's not a God, especially in this dispensation generation that's killing people. He's trying to help and heal those that are suffering. <laughs> Happy Friday the 13th. Tonight we have a service here at Lakeside Assembly of God on Friday the 13th. Going to scare the hell out of the devil. Should I? Should I offer the course for free? Should you work for free? You believe you should go to your job and work all week and then not collect a paycheck at the end of the week? I encourage you to do that. Human being, I encourage you to go and uh, I encourage you to go and work your job all week long. And then when the paycheck comes, give it back and say, you know what? I don't need that. I don't believe in that. I want to just do this for free. I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious. <laughs> Michael Scott. And so um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm... Um, I don't know about uh, the broadcasting tonight because we're in the youth center for the young adults meeting. So I'm not uh, sure if they're going to be live streaming the service tonight. I will check 
Just check back, you know, tonight at 7 because uh, I've not been given a heads up on that. Hopefully we are. And uh, if so, I'll be very happy. But nobody's told me. They keep me in the dark until the very last minute. They don't let me know what's going on. Julie, please make sure you send an email to Jenna, by the way. I want to make sure you get uh, get your books. That's right. He's a loving God. He's a loving God. Thanks for hanging with me today. If you didn't get a chance to do it, share the broadcast. Share the broadcast. And uh, people need to hear this. Of course, if you're on the podcast and you'd like to sow, swipe up. And uh, in the description of the podcast, there are links you can click to sow your seed today. We love you guys so much. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, because I haven't done it in just what about a week or so, but if those, there's a lot of new viewers today. If you're not sure what miracle word university is like, and you'd like to kind of get a preview of what these online courses are and how they'll be when you experience them, I'm going to play a preview here at the end from our brand new course on mountain moving faith that you can find at miraclewordu.com. And you can check it out and uh, you can create an account for free and then browse the courses and purchase what you'd like. They will be a massive blessing to you. Again, you can get this book, Blood on the Door, at miracleword.com. Go to the online shop. Or if you prefer ebooks, you can go to Apple Books or Kindle, and that book will be available on there as well. And uh, I know. I know that it'll build your faith and give you a greater understanding of what God wants to do in your life. I love you guys. Have a powerful weekend. Enjoy church with your, with your church family. And I'll see you again on Monday, 1030 AM. Love you guys. And we'll talk to you again soon. Here's the course. Check it out. So in this video, I want to quickly show you something that I was speaking about in a previous video. And that is when we were talking about the measure of faith. Uh, one of the warnings that uh, I give you and that you find in the scripture is to not exceed your measure of faith. And there's a reason that we talk about this. It is, I mentioned in the uh, previous video that it's damaging to you if you try to operate outside of your measure of faith in the same way that it would be uh, I use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you tried to lay down on the bench press and put more weight on the bar than your body can handle, although you might be able to get to that weight one day, you're not there today. And so trying to operate in that level of strength when you're not there would end up being damaging to your body. If you didn't injure your uh, shoulders or strain your muscles lifting that weight, you would actually just drop the weight on yourself and maybe crush your chest. And so it's important to understand that you should never exceed your measure of faith. As we showed you in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says God has apportioned or dealt out to every man a measure of faith. And so it's important that you understand that you are currently at a certain level of faith. And uh, as we read that, uh, I'll read it to you from the NASB in this video uh, Romans 12, three, the Bible says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So there is a measure to your faith. It's at a certain level right now. You should never try to do things that are beyond that level. I'll give you an example of that in a bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 17. 
1 Corinthians 7, 17. Listen to this. Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see that? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. So don't walk outside of the manner in which God's called you and assigned you and purposed you. Let's go on. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen to this. But we will not boast beyond our measure. You see that? We'll not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. So understand what Paul's teaching here. We're not overextending our measure. We're not going beyond what we should be doing. We are operating within the sphere of our apportioned measure of faith. It's important to stay within your measure. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then finally, let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God, and whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So from these verses of Scripture that I'm reading you, you can see and understand that there's a measure of faith in which, in which you're currently standing that God has blessed you with and that you've grown to that level that, as Paul taught, you should never try to operate outside of your measure of faith. And one of the ways to ensure that you never operate outside the measure of your faith, and this is so very important to listen and adhere to this thought, one of the best ways, and I'd say it's the best way to ensure you'll never operate outside your measure of faith to the harm of yourself, your family, your ministry, whatever, is to only ever do what God called you to do and only ever do what he is directing you to do. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.